So we are so excited. We are here to talk about the latest Star Wars movie, Solo's uh, Star Wars Story, full title, uh, the Han Solo origin story movie. And I'm Rachel. Abby and Jeremy are here. They have helped me to talk about all of the Star Wars movies. Uh, we've done the whole series. And uh, Abby, do you want to say hello? And then Jeremy? Hi. <laughs> hello. Hi. Thanks so much for uh, joining me to talk about this movie. Seems like we just barely talked about Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Let's talk about, first of all, what are your overall thoughts about this movie? And then we'll kind of dive into some of the production things and then talk about the plot and things. Uh, but uh, what about you, Abby? What was your overall sort of experience with this film? Um, overall, I thought it was really fun. Uh -huh. um, it definitely had some clunky moments, but, uh -huh. um, I mean, I didn't walk out of the theater wanting my money back. That's for sure. Uh, I enjoyed it. I was entertained. Yeah. Jeremy, what about you? You know, I, I think it was solid. Uh, like Abby said, it was really enjoyable. It's a story I wanted to hear, um, mm -hmm. that, you know, I wanted to hear, you know, where, you know, where did Han Solo come from? Where does, why does he tick? You know, what makes him tick? What, what were his influences? How did you meet Chewie? You know, these are all things that, you know, I'd wanted to hear as a Star Wars fan. So um, overall, it was solid, enjoyable, um, you know, and so I, I think it's a good, it's a good movie. I'm not, you know, I'm not dying to go back to the theater multiple times, uh, mm -hmm. like I have been with the last uh, couple episode uh, movies, but uh, I, it's very solid, enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. For me, I walked out of it being like, that's the kind of Star Wars movie that I like. And uh, I, I guess for me, my favorite for a long time was always the, uh, the first one, the new, a new hope, I guess is what we call it now. But anyway, well, that was always my favorite for years and years, just because I like pulpy space adventures that make you want to cheer. That's my favorite. And I felt like, uh, that I've never been that big of a fantasy person. And I felt like with Last Jedi in particular, they were veering off into sort of, I don't know, just the way they were using the force and the way it was like moving away from pulpy space adventure into like more sort of fantasy realm. And that's not as interesting to me. I just don't like that kind of storytelling as much. And the way they were using the force and the way they were, and I really didn't like how they handled Luke and Leia. So I had some issues. I didn't hate that movie. I'm not a hater, but I had some issues. And so this was kind of a breath of fresh air to like sort of the roots of Star Wars for me. It was just like a fun adventure. But I have to say, when I saw it a second time to get ready for the podcast, I was a little bit bored. So I guess that's the, like once I already kind of knew what was happening, like it was, it was less interesting. Uh, and so I guess that's the... Um, give and take of that kind of storytelling <laughs> is that maybe it doesn't have the uh uh it's more of a one-time watch kind of thing which isn't necessarily a bad thing like not everything has to be super rewatchable but anyway that was just my experience it's interesting what you said jeremy because you said that you felt like this was necessary and something you wanted to hear but i've heard that complaint a lot that oh this this was not necessary this is not a story we needed to know we didn't know the backstory of han solo uh, so, Abby, what do you think about this? Um, I tend to agree that we didn't need the backstory of Han Solo, 
but I don't mind it being told either. Like, I think it's, I think it's fun. Like Han Solo is one of my favorite characters. So, um, I didn't mind having his backstory told. Um, you know, given that Han is one of my favorite characters, that probably made it a little more, the movie just a little bit more disappointing than it would have otherwise been. Mm, yeah. Um, because, you know, I just expect certain things out of Han and I didn't get it 100%. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of wonder yeah, if it had all, just been, if it had just been like, jimmy the space black guy like the outlaw you know what i mean like just some new character that we were just going to introduce like i think it would have actually been a little bit better because you could even have jimmy meet lando you know like you could have it be right. practically the same but you wouldn't feel yeah. the need to have like these little moments of fan service and these little mm-hmm. i don't know yeah, like, i think i agree with you there i think it could have been any space cowboy like yeah it didn't like the movie wasn't as distinctively Han as I would hope it would be given that it's about him. <laughs> yeah. And I personally never felt like, I think that our Alden Ironreich did a good job with the role, but I never felt for a second that he was actually Han Solo. Like I just didn't, it felt like just a different character. So I, I kind of wished that they had just done a different character. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, I think he had moments where I was like, oh, okay, that's on. Mm. But overall, yeah, it did not have the same, the same feeling. And his, yeah, his acting was just felt kind of spotty. Like sometimes mm. he was there and sometimes he just wasn't. What did you think, um, Jeremy? Did you feel like he was Han Solo? Yeah, I, I was able to buy it, you know, as far as, you know, you go in and, and accept what's being presented to you. Um, but I think I'm a little maybe easier to please in that regard. Um, you know, like I'll, I'll kind of go with what's on screen and I'll, I'll just go with it, um, you know, and, and not really. So I, I was able to buy him the whole time. Um, I really, you know, there's a couple of things that maybe just stood out a little bit, but I can't even remember what they are right now. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wish they had done this whole movie animated because then you could still use Hansel. I mean, you could still use Harrison Ford's voice. And, oh, that's true. Right? It would have been, I don't know. Of course, I oh always. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I really wish they had done that. Right? I would have totally bought into an animated. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Yeah, and it would have been way cheaper and it would just would have been fun but i'm always i'm always an advocate for animation whenever possible um yeah that would have been brilliant that would have been a perfect way to tell this story because you don't have to have some other actor pretending to be harrison ford mm-hmm. yeah and have you ever seen by chance have you seen the movie age of adeline no well in that I movie like I have, but i don't remember it it's not like the greatest movie in the world it's fine but uh there there's an actor in that movie who plays a young Harrison Ford and it is uncanny like he he does such a great impression (laughs) and maybe they just felt like well he's not that good of an actor and yeah he it's one thing to do a good impression but can you Mm -hmm. you know so who knows I'm sure they checked him out but uh he he was very good at playing a young like he got the voice just right and he got the um because it's it, that movie's about a a woman who never ages, mm-hmm. and so she 
she dates the young Harrison Ford and then runs into him when he's older and she's still young. So anyway. Right. Um, what but, I was uh, hoping for going into this movie is like when I went to the new, the Star Trek movie. Yeah. The first new one with Chris Pine. Right. You walk into that movie with like this whole load of skepticism of like, how are they going to use different actors for these characters that are so iconic? Yeah. But man, did they ever pull it off. It's a good point. And like, there were so many moments that I was just like, yes, that is Bones. Or, you know, that yeah. is 100% Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any of those moments in this. So I had a few moments with Lando. I thought he was pretty oh, yeah. close. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But Definitely with Lando, but none with... With Han, yeah. I agreed. Yeah, uh, so anyway, well, uh, so let's talk a little bit about... I mean, I, I, I don't feel like any movie is truly necessary, so I don't really... That, that argument, it wouldn't have been the, the movie I would have picked. Uh, I would have picked to have done something... I don't know. Like, I didn't really like Rogue One all that much, but, like, at least it was a new, you know, something new, something, you know. Like, I I don't know. I just wouldn't have picked that. I would have picked uh, try to expand the universe a little bit more instead of just, like, focusing on these, like, ten characters that, we, mm-hmm. that we've gotten to know. Um, I think that would have been more interesting, but I don't think it's, I don't, I don't, I'm not as hard on the movie in that regard as some people are. But anyway, um, and so this movie, uh, we'll just talk about it out front, has been disappointing at the box office. Uh, 83 million opening weekend, which was way lower than I thought. I thought it was going to get like 135-ish. And some people were saying 150. And so 83 was kind of shocking to me. And this weekend, they're predicting only 29 million, which in the world of movies is very little. Um, and it didn't do well overseas. And I'm just curious why you think it hasn't resonated at the box office the way that the other films have. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy? Uh, I think part of it is it's it's only been six months. Yeah. I mean, it has to be part of part of it. You know, it's I think they should have stuck with a Christmas time release um, and give us you know the year. Uh, I, I like that release schedule just kind of every December you you figure you're going to go to Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's part of it. It's also, you know, that if you're not the episode, I, I think there's a little bit less. And I, I don't know how Rogue One came out compared to, uh, you know, episodes seven and eight, but um, I think the episodes are generally going to draw in a bigger crowd. Yeah. Uh, it did a lot less than Force Awakens. It was still probably riding off of the love for Force Awakens uh because it still made over a billion dollars so it still did well but but so i, think there's, less I don't think it's star wars fatigue i think if anything there may be just because it's only it's been such a short amount of time mm-hmm. uh between these two i think if they had just waited for a christmas time release it would have been bigger um yeah. you know and i i don't know the holiday weekend a lot of people travel which can increase you know movie going but, uh, you know, we went, I think, on Saturday, and we were in Theater One, and it was a third full. If, if yeah. That. What about you, Abby? What do you think? I agree. I definitely think it was released at absolutely the wrong time. Um, 
not only like are Star Wars fans kind of expecting it to be in December, but like there was no time to get us excited about it because they weren't going to do heavy marketing like before Last Jedi came out because they wanted to focus on that. So they had this like very short window to really get us pumped up and then they didn't even do a whole lot with that short window. Yeah. And I don't know. I just yeah. don't, I, I it kind of snuck up on me and I'm sure it did for a lot of other people too. Yeah, and I mean if you think about it most people go to 3 4 movies a year maybe, mm-hmm. you know, like the, maybe not even that. It depends on the person, but uh if they've just seen Black Panther and they've just seen Avengers Infinity War, which a lot of people saw those movies, very mm-hmm. popular. A lot of people saw Deadpool 2, uh, that, you know, were interested in that. So that's already, you know, three pretty popular movies right around the sort of this time period. And, and then you've got Incredibles 2 coming up pretty soon. You've got a lot of big movies that people, and I think uh, a lot of people uh, would would put Solo, you know, sort of, if you're managing your your money of what what you're going to see well i'm going to pick incredibles 2 over solo i'm going to put infinity war over solo i'm going to put you know whatever and um so i think that the positioning was was weird that way also like memorial day is surprisingly not that good in if you look back in the history of of releases like it's not as good as you think it's kind of like thanksgiving you think thanksgiving would be super great for movies it actually is it's not that great and, it um, made sense yeah. to me because we, we went in the theater and I was at first very surprised because we went on Friday. So it was like, or maybe we went on Saturday, but it was yeah. opening weekend of this movie. And the theater is not even half full probably. Yeah. And um, at first I was really surprised, but then I was like, do you know what? We have rain all winter long and this is a kickoff to summer and it was a beautiful weekend here. Yeah. And people were outside. They weren't in the theater. Yeah. I was yeah. like, it makes total sense that nobody's here. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be on the lake or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. And and also there are, it cannot be denied that Last Jedi was divisive. <laughs> uh there were a, a good handle it certainly made a lot of money. That also can't be denied, but just because people saw it doesn't mean they necessarily loved it. And mm-hmm. uh and so I do think that there is at least that is at least a little bit of a factor going into this that there were a number of people that I mean I I get it that I think that like film Twitter and some of the circles I go in probably amplifies the problems in that movie um but uh and I didn't hate it but I I don't know I just think that 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 there is a faction of people that are frustrated with the way that Disney is handling Star Wars. And and I don't know, that that might have played a role in this. But also you had a very troubled production with that, that I, I don't know how many people really heard about this or knew about it or whatever, but with them basically scrapping it all, firing Lord and Miller, and then getting Ron Howard in, refilming everything. And certainly that at least boosted the budget way up. So it made it harder for them to make their money back right um and i'm actually a big fan of bringing in ron howard because in my opinion i think that that star wars should be helmed by what i call old school directors people that know how to make like 
people that know how to make blockbusters with sort of a populist kind of a an old-fashioned kind of feel to them like i would be happy if somebody like robert zemeckis who did back to the future or steven spielberg who's of course you know the best um somebody like that who like knows how to sort of make a satisfying blockbuster that's who i think jj abrams is certainly one of those people I, i don't really want your ryan johnson's your people that are making sort of more like art house edgy i don't really want that in star wars like that to me is not star wars <laughs> like i don't know i can go to other movies i can go see blade runner you know or whatever something like that for that i i so i was a fan of them bringing on ron howard and uh i think he i think he did a, a pretty good job with what he had i mean that's a tough order of what he had to do is i was gonna uh, say and we don't even know exactly what he had to work with yeah. but it sounds like it wasn't good and he had to redo most of it and you yeah. know you were saying like i don't know how many people even knew about that honestly that was most of what i knew about this movie going in <laughs> yeah so like that's a publicity fail Nightmare. yeah yeah and you're not like super in film twitter so like people knew about it that it was a problem yeah, I follow you and like two other people who are into films and they're not like, like you're probably the most prominent YouTuber I follow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, so yeah. I was like, just the fact that I was very much aware of it and that I'm not super yeah, follower of film stuff, like that means that most people probably knew about it. Yeah. Jeremy, what do you, do you think about them bringing on Ron Howard? Oh, I was a big fan of that. That's one thing that got me really excited about going mm-hmm. to it is once I knew he was in charge. And I wasn't unexcited before, but um, Ron Howard's a name that's going to get me into a theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's had a few duds, but not not that many. And he just knows how to, I think, make a really satisfying movie. And I think now, that... Did. The other thing with him, uh, you know, he, he uh, tweeted about the opening weekend and he was like you know it's not meeting expectations but it's still a personal best and i'm yeah. like hey it's the highest you know that he's ever had on an opening weekend and he's ron howard so you know <laughs> it's the measuring stick you choose to measure it by i guess yeah well and he has been winning twitter like he is just i want to award him like the nicest man in hollywood award because he has just been so nice on twitter like i i don't know i've just been really impressed uh, with his attitude and just the way he's he seems like a very humble guy like the way he's handled criticism and i don't know well, i mean he impressive. did grow up in mayberry so <laughs> <laughs> right uh, anyway okay well let's dive into the actual movie itself now um so it starts out with Han and Kira in uh, Corellia, and uh, this is kind of a like a lawless uh, pl- planet that's run by these uh, uh, what do they call them? Uh, these syndicates, I guess. So he stole a sample of the coaxum. Uh, he's going to use it to try to get uh, off of Corellia. And uh, there's a whole opening scene uh, with this water creature, and then they're on the run. The syndicate is chasing him, and uh, there's this whole part where he's like trying to get out of 
they he goes through this this crack in the ship and his ship ends up getting stuck they're just all trying to show like how kind of confident he is how cocky he is he's like this outlaw type they end up getting to the um train station or whatever the transport station and uh he uh is able to get through she is not and uh so there's that whole sort of this whole sort of sequence what did you think about this intro abby um it actually worked for me like Mm -hmm. it had me pulling for han i felt like having him come from this sort of like planet where he had to learn how to like scrap his way out um and kind of claw his way out of there worked um and I liked him and Kira. Like I thought that was kind of a a good um, a good way to show us uh, kind of the type of guy he was. I guess. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah. know. I thought the I thought the intro overall worked. Yeah. What about you, Jeremy? Well, I felt the same way. Um, I liked it. I, I liked kind of the. The humble beginnings you know again he, he doesn't have really anything um not even really freedom but he's uh resourceful and find, finds ways to outwit people and get what he needs and um mm-hmm. you know and you, and you truly get to see like she tells him you know we get to see he really is the good guy yeah i agree i thought that that uh was a really fun way to sort of get you into the feel and and i really loved the production design of this movie i thought it had a cool sort of gritty it reminded me of the beginning of rogue one actually where um uh, what's his name is first you get first introduced to the lead guy in there i can't think of his name but uh but anyway it kind of had a similar feel but i thought that this was actually maybe executed a little bit better uh, as far as really getting you to know who this character is and maybe it's a little unfair because we already kind of know who this character is a little bit but um but yeah i uh, i thought i'm not the biggest uh, Emilia clark fan i really did not like her terminator movie at all but um but i thought that they had pretty good chemistry and i thought that they did i thought it was pretty good i liked her in this well enough and uh yeah so it it all it all worked i think well for me and then he so he has he's determined he's gonna go find her again get back to her um and so he sees uh the uh the imperial uh navy is looking for recruits and he decides to join in order to learn how to fly and this is one spot where i thought it was kind of grown worthy is them giving him his last name like that was just oh like, my gosh no <laughs> right so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like come on like that was just like so it was just not needed like we don't need to know why like that's the parts that's unnecessary we don't need to know why hey can i make a really mean analogy here (laughs) go for it (laughs) it reminded me of an episode of gilmore girls where taylor creates the stars hollow museum Uh and there's like this diorama of um how the name of stars hollow came to be and there's this like really cheesy conversation between these diorama figures and one of them they talk about the stars and they're in this hollow and this guy goes stars hollow stars hollow that's what it reminded me of i was like han solo 
so cheeseball and like major dorky mm. yeah like, was, that was really yeah, grown worthy i was reading uh an article about the movie online and they uh they said that this was the the line that they used to pitch the movie and and why disney went with it was that like they heard that line and they're like okay we're gonna make this movie really oh yeah wow. <laughs> 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 oh dear uh, so it, uh, knowing it, that it turned out really well <laughs> yeah, right. it really did if you know that that's hilarious oh uh, yeah that was really grown worthy it was just kind of i don't know it's just not good um but anyway so then it goes to three years later he's in like he's in he's in this war he's in the battle he starts he notices some people and that's when we get introduced introduced to these uh, criminals, I guess. <laughs> okay, Tobias Beckett, played by Woody Harrelson. They kind of go back and forth, and uh, then we he gets thrown into a pit with a beast, and it turns out that it's Chewbacca. And I didn't really think about it until I was talking with one of my friends, and she was like. Did they kind of imply that Chewbacca eats people? Because they're like, he hasn't been fed in three days, and then they throw Han down there. It's like, that's kind of disturbing. I don't want Chewbacca to be a people eater. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm good with che Chewie being a people eater. <laughs> I mean, he's not a person. He's like, I mean, I think the reason it seems disturbing is because, like, he's so human like, I guess. But he's not a person like he's an animal you're not an animal but like a di totally different space he's not even humanoid he's he's a creature like he's basquatch i mean he's really smart it, he holds it in like for all the other movies i guess like he gets quite tamed i i i, I never thought about it until she mentioned it i'm like <laughs> i don't know did that alarm you jeremy you know, I hadn't really, it didn't, it didn't, I, I don't know, I hadn't really put those two things together. Uh, I guess I was either, it didn't bother me. Um, it was just like, you know, you do what you got to do if you're a captive and they're sending you morsels of food. Uh, <laughs> uh, go for it. Yeah, there you go. Poor Chewie. He's 190 years old. You don't get there by not eating the food that comes along. <laughs> my impression of it was more like he's in survival mode like these people have been enslaved he's chained up in this like pit like he needs to do what he needs to do so yeah he's big so. and strong and can be really wild so yeah there you go uh and like i don't know i didn't i really like it is kind of random that han happens to know to be able to sp speak wookie um but i i don't know i guess they just kind of they just he just has to for the story to work um I'm sure I loved it. later i i loved that he did and and it's broken it's you know it's yeah. like so it's not like he's fluent or anything um but i like and again you've got to find a way to have them make some sort of connection and it can't yeah. just be you know I, there's got to be something and so how do you how do you get started with a wookie gotta know their language to, to some degree to communicate yeah i think too it illustrates that like they're both 
in the bottom rung as far as like social status goes Mm, they're both level there like he oh yeah you're a wookie i know a little bit of your language because i'm basically garbage to these people too and so i need to interact with other people on my rung sometimes yeah and so yeah i guess it made it made sense to me yeah so i there was a new actor playing chewbacca for the first time i say his name is jonas sutomo anyway it's not peter mayhew who had played him previously and uh so it's kind of fun trivia and uh so then after he meets chewbacca he ends up joining beckett and the crew and uh they are gonna go take on a mission where they're going to get this coaxum for the uh crimson uh crimson dawn i think they call it um what's that yes yeah yeah crimson dawn syndicate and uh they are going to get it off this train and the members of this uh crew are uh are beckett and val uh, his um wife and uh and then rio is, is the pilot uh who's a i don't know what kind of creature he is but anyway it's like an alien creature him a pretty fun train sequence where they they try to they try to take the coaxum they're through this they try to separate the train car with the coaxum from the rest of the train but everything doesn't go as planned and uh i don't know i thought that was pretty enjoyable what did you think i liked it i thought it was well executed mm-hmm. and it was fun like it had me um you know on the edge of my seat so to speak yeah yeah, it was a fun heist scene. Uh, no problems with it. It was exciting. Uh, good suspense. Uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Did we lose Val and Rio too fast, you think? No. They were just in it for so little. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I really need so. either of them, so need more I was fine with it. Okay. Well, and you needed, you needed Rio to, you needed Rio out of there so that Han would be the pilot um you know and so that's his natural way to step step up and truly be part of the team uh and val you know i don't know it, it i think that one maybe i think you could have done one death or the other mm-hmm. um that one really impacted beckett uh but it also showed how dedicated the crew really was to what to their missions uh i don't yeah. know and i think it was meant to show beckett's character you know his whole don't trust anybody that even val he he didn't 100 percent trust like and that he uh i think it was just kind of supposed to show sort of how workman like he he was in a way um but i was okay with it. a lot of people complained about it but i didn't have a problem with it i guess i thought rio was a little bit annoying so I didn't, <laughs> he was gone i mean it was sort of a weird way to execute it because he just gets like hit in the shoulder and you're like why would that kill Why are you, you dying? Yeah. yeah. What's going How on? How was that there? a kill shot? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was... I, I didn't need him to die. I, I really was fine with his character. I didn't like the way he looked. Like the way he was animated. I didn't like it. So I was kind of okay when he died because I was like, <laughs> he's weird looking. Yeah, he's kind of weird looking. And there's these um there's these pirates called the uh, the Enfess Enfess. Uh and I always thought they were saying the infant's nest. And I'm like, what is that? 
<laughs> and uh, that's a would be a way different thing. thing. <laughs> what, is that? <laughs> what is that? And so we'll get, we'll see them a little bit later on, but they're the ones that kind of ruin everything. Yeah. Well, so what did you think of Beckett as a character? What do you think, Abby? Uh, I thought he was a pretty good bad guy. Like, um, you kind of know he's a jerk and that he's dirty and that, and like Han does too. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy that Han would have associated with. It means I, I thought he worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I really liked him. I thought it, it, uh, helps build, you know, what, this is kind of the prototype for, for Han Solo, you know, he's, he's the, the guy who's going to go out and get these jobs done, you kind of living on the edge, you never know who you can trust and who not. And so you're always ready, you know, to shoot first. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I kind of like the lesson that, that he learned from there, but he's kind of, Han Solo becomes kind of a, a tempered version of Beckett where, yes, he's got this Beckett streak, he'll shoot first. Um, but he's also still the good guy, and that's what separates them. Because uh, Han, Han, you know, you see at the end of A New Hope, Han comes back, mm-hmm. and Beckett would not have. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and even here, like, you see that that Han can definitely have his, he's definitely touched by the Enfys, uh, the, the pirates, the Enfys, wherever they say it, um, the pirates, he's touched by them at the end, and uh and so he has that softer side but he kind of knows he has to be more like beckett in order to survive i think Mm -hmm. which is interesting so can i just say that i felt like the pirates whatever they were called (laughs) i felt that was a little bit like heavy-handed with the social political message yes i like we like not make every star wars movie a propaganda film about social justice like not that i'm against social justice but maybe we can do this in a more subtle way that isn't like hitting me over the head with it yeah and they were not the most unsubtle part of that yeah I, I, uh, <laughs> no <laughs> we'll be talking about that in a second uh yeah, yeah i know you're gonna go there so i won't right now but yeah they didn't bother me as much as the other part yes <laughs> uh, so yeah and i i felt like well, well never mind we'll talk about it at the end because that's when you really find out who they are but yeah mm-hmm. they were not my favorite and uh, i i get it they're supposed to be sort of making things difficult providing conflict for them so that they aren't successful in getting this coaxum so then they are forced to go to uh to voss dryden voss and um yeah so dryden voss is the big sort of kingpin villain and it's believable i think that there would be this element in the star wars world and we already know there is because of jabba and uh there's some references i think made to even to jabba and uh his his sort of crime lord uh a couple of times he's very upset with beckett uh because of the lost coaxum uh, but they come up with a scheme that they are going to get the raw coaxum from the mines of Kessel. Uh, and uh, they sort of agree to give them one last chance. Dryden agrees to give them one last chance. And uh, I don't know. What did you think of Dryden Voss as a villain? What do you think, Abby? 
I'm trying to remember who Dryden Voss was. He was the Paul Bettany character. <laughs> the you one that in the yacht. Oh, that guy. The one that had Kira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought that was kind of like... Like, I didn't even remember who that was. That's what I <laughs> Yeah, that says a lot. That says a lot. <laughs> he was pretty forgettable. I, so I don't blame you in forgetting him. I think, yeah, it was just not a really well executed thing. Like, I don't know. He was kind of vanilla and not really unexpected or cool in any way. Yeah. And he was evidently part of the reshoots they were going to have like an entirely different villain and they kind of worked him in at the end mm-hmm. um and that you totally believe i can totally believe yeah, that. that explains a lot yeah i don't know uh it was originally yeah, gonna I, be a motion capture alien um that was half mountain lion half human which i think awesome. i'm glad that it's not that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh you know when i when i watch i'm like huh this seems a lot like the final, you know, like a, or a mid-level boss in a video game, you know, <laughs> like he has these cool little, like, I don't know, glowing red knives that kind of remind you of mini lightsabers and, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, you wonder where the scars came from, but yeah. he's just kind of a one note. <laughs> yes, that whole like setting even with the whatever yacht thing he was on yeah like i can totally see that being transformed into a screen of a 1990s video game yeah definitely (laughs) agreed (laughs) yeah Yeah, you like you uh you go up the elevator it opens up you walk in oh here's the boss he picks up his things and now he's doing these swirly twirly attacks at you that hit you for a lot of damage and you're dead and you mash your buttons until he back. Well, the cinematography of this movie <clears throat> was done by a guy named Bradford Young. And uh, he was the same guy who did the movie Arrival. I don't know if you've seen that. But uh, he, I think, did a really good job of, of uh, creating a, uh, I don't know, a cool aesthetic, cool gritty aesthetic. Uh, it looked, I think it was a really pretty, pretty movie. And uh, at least... And I'm pretty is not the right word, but it was a, a visually stunning, I guess, movie in a lot of ways. And uh, but yeah, there were a couple moments where the, the special effects weren't great. <laughs> Could have been a little bit better. Probably were done a little bit quickly. But but anyway, and so he also uh, Han also meets Kira at Dryden's uh, and his lair and whatever is yacht <laughs> and uh, she has she has the stamp on her hand that she has committed herself to be like a slave i guess for dryden and i don't know how, what do you think of that element we've had slaves in star wars before there's that girl in return of the jedi that's literally like that's uh, fed to the sar clock that uh, is chained up and everything and certainly leia and her you know the gold bikini is chained up um but i don't know this whole, whole element of literally like getting tattooed on your hand was interesting uh what do you think jeremy yeah I, you know I, i'm okay with its presence in in star wars uh you know it's it's uh 
I think it just kind of speaks to the evil that's there and and also it's something that's you know I don't, I don't know if I'd call it a trope but it's it's done in other movies where you know you got the pretty girl who's uh, down in this lawless area and she gets out because you know somebody's with power drives by and says oh she's pretty you know add her to my group and uh, takes her along um, you know I, yeah. I don't know I don't have a problem with it I think it's uh, it does kind of add to the intrigue where now you know she's gotten out by another means and you know by other means than Han coming back for her I do kind of like the that kind of twist that it puts on then he doesn't know and and he has to learn from Beckett's you know message mm-hmm. you can't trust anybody and in the end he finds he can't even trust her um and I think that was a big lesson and, and added a lot to why he doesn't trust very easily uh you yeah. know as he uh, matured yeah agreed I agree with you I thought it was good I mean I guess if I was gonna nitpick like since I'm somebody who's seen the animated shows which are supposedly around the same time period and they've never mentioned this ever like it's a little little weird but oh well who cares um but anyway okay it may also have been less prevalent it may have been more Dryden Voss than anything yeah that's true it could be could be so anyway so they go they need a they decide they need a ship in order to get this raw coaxum uh, from the Kessel Mines. And that's when we meet Lando and hit the, him and Han Gamble. And uh, what did you think of Donald Glover as Lando? What did you think, Jeremy? Totally bought in. I, yeah. I love him as, in the part. Um, I had absolutely no problems with it. And I, I bought it from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it, I don't think you could have had a more perfect match for Lando. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, he was great. I mean, my only complaint was I wish he had gotten to the, they'd worked him into the movie sooner. It took about an hour to get to him, and I, I wish we'd gotten to him sooner because he was really good. It was really fun. But Maybe a Lando movie would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be really interesting. I mean, because, like, for him to get to the point where he uh, is willing to you know, betray his friend to survive and, and even become mayor of Cloud City. Like, that would be interesting to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, and so here's where we get my favorite character. Just kidding. Um, we get the droid L3. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And L3, I honestly think is the worst character in the history of Star Wars. Like, I... Like, really you you hate her more than jar jar binks yes and here's i i was just gonna read what That's i wrote quite a lot of hate yes <laughs> so here's what i wrote okay i said that i said i can appreciate wanting to have an activist droid and wanting to make star wars more socially conscious but it has to be written with more of a deft hand for it to be effective jar jar binks is a super annoying character but at least he has a role and a purpose aside from being an activist. He ends up getting his people, the Gungans, to fight with the rebellion and takes the Jedi to meet to meet them. L3 was just a sidekick fighting for equal rights. That's not enough to make an interesting character. Plus, Jar Jar was an attempt at comic relief and some kids found him funny. There is nothing funny about L3. So yes, I think L3 is the worst character in the history of Star Wars. Worse than Jar Jar Binks boom (laughs) 
Yeah, I thought that she was terrible. I thought that she just stuck out like a sore thumb because it's not, it's an interesting idea in theory to have a droid that's like sticking up for droid rights. But the way it was executed was so clunky and so like, it just felt so out of place. And so like in the middle of an action scene for her to be yelling, like, I'm so glad we came on this ship and it, droid rights and freeing all the droids to me was just so cringeworthy. I just, oh, I really hated it. I thought that she was awful. And the whole idea that a character like Lando would be not only like friends with her, which I don't buy, but that he would be like attracted to her was like so ridiculous. And like, I don't even know where to begin with that. And uh, I don't know. I just, I just thought that she was awful. I just couldn't. And then what happens with her with the Millennium Falcon? I was not a fan of that at all. At least when Jar Jar's gone, he's like gone, gone. And there's not this like lingering legacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I, I get why you're saying she's the worst character in Star Wars history, but she's still not the most annoying character in Star Wars history. <laughs> because Jar Jar Binks just like tips the annoying scale there's just and he's he has so much screen time through multiple movies yeah <laughs> whereas she like okay we have this lingering notion that she's somehow part of millennium falcon but like we don't actually have to hear her talk anymore oh thank god which is nice <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so there was a uh a line and uh you know, 3PO is supposed to, uh, you know, work with uh, R2-D2 on the Millennium Falcon. And he mentions that the, that the uh, Falcon has uh, an interesting dialect. And so I think now they've, they've kind of given the backstory for that dialect, um, which uh, absolutely I find this, you know, L3 just completely annoying. Um, I do, I, I still can't put anything above Jar Jar. He's, he's the absolute worst. Uh, for me, um, and it partly helps that they killed L3 off, um, and uh, I was really glad that they did it as quickly as they did, and I just wish it had happened sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, I, again, I get it in, in theory, the idea of having this character like that could be interesting, I guess, but, uh it was just... I think my problem is, too, they're, you know, they've gotten... Uh, they've taken their droid thing and, and they took, you know, R2-D2 and C-3PO. They were a great source of humor uh, in the original trilogy. And, you know, they came and I think they uh, did a wonderful job with BB-8. Like, yeah, BB-8 was awesome. Um, and then you, you have uh, in Rogue One, you have K2SO. Like, okay, now we're, slide, we're continuing to slide that scale. And I think it's a, you're, you're crossing that line which is a fine one because again even I was like you know on rewatching it's like oh yeah he does like he does kind of his shtick a little bit too much and now L3 is just completely over the top from the beginning and you're yeah. and you we don't need another unique uh, personality droid you know like you know how many droids in the universe out there are just have this unique over-the-top personality no people people memory wipe their droids for a reason so that they'll reset and they'll just yeah. do their function 
Um, so I, I think it's time to get back to just show us, if you're going to show us a new droid, let's see a regular droid. Yeah. Um, or bring back one that we already know. Yeah, and the whole idea of her, like, setting all the other droids free and, like, it just was so groan-inducing. I was just like, ugh. I, I, I don't know. It just, I just felt like it was so clunky and so forced and so like out of place and i just don't need that that kind of message and that kind of character in every single movie that i see like i don't know it did not fit with tone and uh i i certainly did not believe for a second that lando was in love with her give me a break this is like a cool suave character and i said in my thing i said I said, the problem is she yelled and screamed her case in times that any sensible character would know it is fruitless. You are not going to be able to fight for equal rights in the middle of an action scene. This makes it feel inauthentic and forced. And when a character preaching social justice is inauthentic and forced, it is very grating. As a woman, it doesn't make me feel represented to have a character that is unbelievable cloying and one note in fact it is kind of insulting when writers feel the only way to portray a minority viewpoint is is in a shrill awkward way totally agree <laughs> yeah and again i think i think it would have been better had they but i think you can leave the scene where she's freeing the other droids if she hadn't been harping on it the entire time yeah like just have it you know be like you didn't even have to mention it before. She can just see the opportunity to be like, I'm freeing my brothers, you know. <laughs> it, it can just, you know, it can kind of be spontaneous and happen. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. She's a droid. Of course, she's going to take that opportunity to free other droids, you know, when she sees it. Um, but we'd already had an earful for at least half an hour, and it, we're sick of it. Yeah. Well, and, and at least, like, it make it make some degree like it, it's nonsensical of her to be yelling and scream screaming for equal rights in the middle of a blaster fire board like that makes no sense and uh, she's supposed to be a smart character like i uh, i don't know it just ends up yeah and the yeah. lando in love with her was super creepy it was just yeah, weird was like really weird nothing about that makes any sense no and also, like, it undermines their entire message when you have her basically becoming a slave in the Millennium Falcon for, like, her, for the whole history of Star Wars. Like, if you like the character, isn't that kind of a weird message? Right. Right? Right. So, it's just, was a total miss. I hated L3. Like, even if we're having the discussion of, like, is she worse than Jar Jar? Like, that's a failure. Right. No kidding. <laughs> For that to even be a topic of conversation means it's really bad. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so there is this whole run on Kessel where they get the coaxum, and it's a pretty long action set piece. And I thought it was really fun. I really enjoyed that whole, except for L3, I enjoyed the whole sequence. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this, Abby? Do you like that? Um, I don't yeah. know. With them going into the mines and like stealing the, getting the, the whole cat. That was fine. Like, yeah, yeah it worked. It wasn't like my favorite Star Wars scene ever, but <laughs> yeah. it was fun and interesting and L3 went away. So that was good. Yeah. 
yeah <laughs> yeah i think it was fine uh i didn't i didn't mind it uh i think i could have i could do with fewer of the just giant space monsters that happen to live in the middle of space um yeah so I, I think that I'm, I, and it's not necessarily Star Wars only, but I'm just kind of getting tired of those. Um, Is that the part where they saw the like space octopus and had to go through the weird hole? Yeah, well, that's the whole reason they had to, um, to, to, the... to hook up L3 because they had oh, to, right. they had oh. to. Um, yeah, that, that moment actually felt very Star Trek to me. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I was okay with it. Like, it didn't bother me. And I, and I don't mind how it came about. Like, they're like, oh, we've got to go into this, you know, area. So we're not going to, they're not going to follow us. And, and you know, they, their way to escape. But also it's going to end up being the quickest way out and, and get them what they, you know, they got to get the, oh, what's Wax the stuff? Or to, yeah. uh, you know, get it where it needs to go so it can be processed and cooled. Uh you know so i don't mind how it happens they get to the place where they're going to process the coaxum and in my opinion because this movie is uh, 135 minutes and the original star wars movie is less time than that and you think about all that they have is 121 minutes you think of all they have to start up and all they have to build up in that original movie and it's less time than this movie and in my opinion I think they should have ended this movie when they dropped the Quaxum off. It felt like just like a natural ending to the to the story. And then it goes on for another like 30 minutes. And I yeah. I, I, I don't know. I didn't feel like any of all of that was handled well or needed and got kind of boring for me uh, because the, um, the uh, infest whatever comes and uh, you find out that, of course it's led by a girl because like all of a sudden everything in star wars has to be led by a girl actually just uh resistance which irritates me a little bit that like you know that's the big like rallying cry right now is resistance you know against the current administration and stuff and i get that but like to, again do we have to have that in every we just had it a ton in last jedi we have to have it a ton here like <laughs> maybe i see enough of that on the news and in yeah. twitter and in every single other place of my whole life Exactly. maybe i can get a break from it in a movie once in a while amen exactly <laughs> yeah and yeah they were supposed to like she so they sort of tell han <clears throat> that uh well first lando leaves with the millennium falcon which was actually kind of hilarious because han was like my my soldiers are uh my men are are in this ship and they're gonna come after you or whatever and then he like flies away that was pretty funny yeah that was pretty hilarious i liked that that was that was a very han and a very star wars kind of moment yeah yeah we find out that there are resistance and that they're actually the good guys that they're not the they're not pirates and so they want to get the coaxum uh to keep it away from dryden but then also to uh in order to uh, fight the resistance like you know fight whatever the the empire and so han and beckett battle back and forth over this and uh i don't this know this is exhausting this whole sequence is just exhausting like there's too many people who want the coaxium there's too many people peeling off the mask 
Like, there's just too many. Like, cut it down by about half. Yeah, it was really boring. Because, like, Han, uh, like, Beckett leaves. But then then he's, like, double-crossed him and told it dryden on him double crosses everybody else yeah just like what dryden ends up dying and uh back and forth back and forth back and forth with this coaxum and han has a chance to join the rebellion uh but uh he uh, she, and she gives him the quaxum to buy his to buy a ship and they him and, and chewy find landau and uh and they they challenge him against again in cards and han wins and so there you go because lando can't I just that cap like i thought that was a pretty good ending and we find out he gets the millennium falcon we hadn't seen lando who we like and Han tricks him, which is cool. Yeah, I liked that. I liked that last moment, like that last scene. Like that would have been fun. Like we don't even need any of that other stuff. Like the back mm-hmm. and forth with Coaxum and these, you know, these these pirates. Like we don't even need any of that, really. You could have just gone right from they're going to refine it here, and then he, and then next scene is the ending with the scene with uh, with Lando. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what I do you think, think Jeremy? I could dig that, you know. Yeah. I, again, I don't, I don't need you to bring in kind of the beginnings of the rebellion. And- uh, so Kira uh, kills Voss. He contacts her superior in the uh, the red, crim- the Crimson Dawn or whatever, and mm-hmm. it turns out it's Darth Maul. I there. forgot about that. And so she asks him if she can take uh Voss's position basically in the syndicate and so she is up to no good basically and uh i i know either of you neither of you watched the shows the animated shows correct oh i've watched all the clone wars and i'm now most of the way through well i'm about halfway through rebels but i know i know them all storyline okay 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 what about you abby uh did you know about darth maul coming back in the show um I did not know about it until Jeremy explained it to me after the movie. So was it confusing? It was confusing. It was just kind of like, what? Why is Darth Maul there? Like, I'm confused. And I also thought it was dumb. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I think it was trying to come off as like a reveal kind of to moviegoers. Like, oh, yeah, he's really alive. But it really just came off as like, uh, I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, I agree. I think it was supposed to be like this big reveal, like, ooh, Darth Maul. And I've never been that big on Darth Maul, to be honest. Like, he's fine. No. I don't hate him, but I personally, I've always, I think that someone like Grievous or du- Count du- Dooku is better than Darth Maul, personally. I don't understand why Darth so Maul is like a caricature bad guy. Yeah. Like, he's too far into the realm of, like, silliness. Like, he, he literally has cool. horns. Yeah. And a red and black, what? Yeah. No, I just think he does not belong anywhere in the Star Wars universe. And I don't like him, and I think he needs to go away. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a fun surprise for me. What about you, Jeremy? Was it a fun surprise for you? 
You know, I, it was. I, I like it, uh, and I I like the character. I, I think that one of the biggest problems with the prequels is, or one of the big problems was that they killed him off. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a kind of a weakness in movies is when you have uh, when you have a villain who you've who you've uh, treated to a good a good storyline and you kill them off uh, way too fast. Star Wars does that quite a bit. Um, yeah, and, you know where you have. Uh, Maul, and then you have Dooku, and they both get killed off basically within a movie uh, yeah. of getting to know them. Um, I think either one of them should have been a villain through the first two movies. So uh, refresh my memory. What was his storyline up to that point? Because I felt so, like in the prequels, he was just like, scary well, looking bad guy. Gets cut. Yeah, so, so in uh, Phantom Menace, uh, Darth Maul is... Uh, Sidious's apprentice, and he uh, is sent out to Tatooine and and is looking for you know looking for the Jedi and uh, Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan are there and ends up engaging them and and then at the end of the movie um, they end up fighting him and he kills Qui Gon and then uh, Obi Wan slices him in half and he falls down a shoot you know one of the endless pits that appear in Star Wars when he so why does he look like that is there like a race of aliens that all look like that yes yeah and yeah, just probably... so on the nose to like yeah. bring him to the dark side yeah it's true it does kind of look like a a devil kind of character but I don't know I still thought it was kind of cool and his like lightsaber was kind of cool but like. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like, he's fine. Like, I don't hate him. I just think he's fine. Yeah, he gets these metal legs. <laughs> that's, how they, that's how they're able to kind of make him live on. I do that with everyone else so I can buy it. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, in the animated, I, and I think, you know, it started in animation is when they brought him back, and, and I think it fits a little better there is that, you know, he yeah. basically kept himself alive through the Force, you know, because of his hatred for Obi-Wan. And long enough to where they could, you know, he could get metal legs attached and then he's, you know, basically back, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think I, but I liked, you know, if they, if they let him live and just ended the battle, you know, from episode one, going into episode two, you have this great reason for um, this villain to want to come back after him. He's been defeated and Obi-Wan wants to rematch because he's killed Qui-Gon yeah. and you, you just, build suspense and story into the next one so i because i missed that i think i'm glad i'm glad he's back um and i'm interested to see how he crosses over into movies um i think it, it was kind of a, a shock for people who didn't see the animated series um and you know to where there's even confusion about well this must have been written before to be before phantom menace and that's how he's there and you know so it just caused more confusion uh for people who weren't familiar with his story yeah but it would, it would make no sense for that to happen before phantom menace oh absolutely i mean the the ages of people would be completely off but it still you know it's like if you're not familiar with uh darth maul not dying in episode one then yeah. it, it just brings up the question well what's how did this happen yeah yeah so i agree i think it could be confusing yeah. for people and it, it just really wasn't that big of a like for the people that know about mall it's kind of like oh they're pulling out the mall card again but then yeah. for the people that uh that don't know about him they're confused so i feel like it's not really a fun reveal for a lot of people i don't know it just didn't really 
It didn't do much. It was unsuccessful, regardless of whether you knew what happened or not. <laughs> well, I think so. I say the, maybe the more fun thing, you're getting more crossover into Clone Wars material from the animated series. And, yeah. and I did enjoy that series a lot. Um, I think uh, it opened some doors and, and even he's, you know, he's like telling Kira to basically rendezvous with him on Dathomir. And from Clone Wars, we know that's, you know, you have the Night Sisters. Basically, it's a group of witches. Yeah, uh, there and so I, I think if you have another movie that features uh, Maul and they follow the storyline, Star Wars is going to get really weird for some people uh, <laughs> who aren't yeah. used to the animated series. If they have the space whales, then I'll really be surprised. But uh, but yeah, the um and the the, the Night Sisters that is so Star Trek. Holy cow! The <laughs> the animated series. I I do think the, I actually think the animated series is the best all of Clone Wars. But I watched all of Rebels and I loved it. Uh, and maybe that's partly just my love for animation. But I thought it was so well done. And I think partly is because it's all these new characters that you're getting to know. Uh, and I mean that's some that we'd seen before. But I don't know. I love getting to know characters like Ezra and uh just i don't know to me it was just great but um but anyway uh so yeah at the end we see that han has the morning falcon and he's going to with chewbacca to tatooine where a big shot gangster is putting together a crew for a heist so obviously he's uh gonna meet up with jabba the hut and uh yeah so there you go and I really don't think that we're going to get a sequel to this with how it's, how the response has been. I, I, I just don't see it happening. I think that like personally, if it was me, I would tell like if, if Lucasfilm was asking me for advice, I would stop the Ryan Johnson trilogy. Cause I just feel like that is just really risky right now. Um, and I would, I, I would not do a Chewbacca. I mean, not do a. Um, I would not do a, another Han Solo movie. The only way I would do a solo mo- a sequel is if it's for their streaming service. Um, yeah, I could totally see that working out there, making it a little bit less expensive, and and uh, doing it there. But I don't. I just don't see us getting a sequel to this movie. Yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, I'm not obviously not in the Disney executive uh, decision making circle, but uh, I don't feel like there were, I don't believe there's a plan for strictly solo sequels. I know they, they've talked about doing the, the Boba Fett movie, the Kenobi movie. Um, I believe that that the story will continue, but through those. Yeah. Is um, Boba Fett could very easily be you know that could continue this story as they're as they're heading to Tatooine they could also just drop that and say hey he's you know you connect the dots he's headed to Tatooine that's where we found him you know um so that could very easily you know maybe Han Solo uh appears in the Boba Fett movie at some point um but it wouldn't be focused on him necessarily um yeah so I I don't see again, a reason to, to do solo parts, you know, two and three or whatever. Um, I don't, I, and I don't believe that's their plan. I, I think they've got a, enough uh, being told in this time period with Boba Fett and uh, Kenobi movies uh, playing. I was actually wondering, like, I hadn't heard any of that. So after, I know episode nine is obviously happening and probably yeah. December of 20, 
yeah next december is the is the plan yeah um and then beyond that what do they have any set in stone like that like, i mean they've announced some stuff like the obi-wan and the boba fett movie but nothing like there's no scripts there's no it's just um they're not filming anything yeah, no no and uh yeah. so i don't know you have, you have episode nine uh you have the uh kenobi and you've got boba fett and then you have another trilogy of episodes uh with ryan johnson yeah i just i don't know that just seems seems very risky to me but you know what do i know they 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 know more than i do so uh i think it's because last jedi wasn't your favorite they pushed some they pushed you in some ways you didn't really want to go yeah and uh i think that's got you scared i i actually really loved last jedi and so i'm really excited for the ryan johnson trilogy i liked his direction um I would still be more excited about a J.J. Abrams trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I'm excited for it. J.J. Yeah. Abrams has an incredibly hard task ahead of him. I, I do not envy the man because uh, he has to not he has only to clean up some messes. Yes, he does. And he has to not only finish everything in a somewhat satisfying way, but he has to deal with the whole Leia thing. I mean, that is really tough and there's just i don't know like you can you can tell that that ryan johnson did not go the way that jj abrams had planned i don't care what anybody says it just there's no way that that is the plan that he had for the second like i don't know i just don't buy it and how he's going to like it's tough like it's just a tough task i mean i believe in him because he's an amazing he's great but it's it's a challenge yeah, yeah. Well, so we were talking after the movie about like the Star Wars mystique. Like there has to be some mystery. And whenever you answer questions yeah. in the viewer's mind, you need to create new ones. Yeah. So like JJ Abrams is an expert at that. Yes, yes. Sometimes like like in I think he's learned a lot over the years, but in Lost he leaned too far in the direction of creating new questions all the time. Mm-hmm. But in his, in his more recent movies, it seems like he's done a really excellent job of finding that balance of answering questions so we're satisfied and creating new questions so there's some mystery and we want to watch more. Yeah. Um, and that, I felt like that's where both Last Jedi and the solo movie just kind of fell flat. They, they answered too many questions without creating any real new ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just... I don't know answered them in frustrating ways or i don't know there it's 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 just an interesting thing for star wars and i feel like actually the best thing for jj at this point is that now he's going to have a year and a half for people to get like enthusiastic again Mm -hmm. because you know like you said this only had five months and now i i don't know i just feel like we used to be three years so it almost didn't even matter the quality of the movie because it'd been three years since you'd seen star wars and so you were pumped and you're excited to go to the theater and you know now they're they're doing these every year and i think that they think because here's the thing is that is that everyone always is comparing things to marvel the thing with marvel is that kevin feige the 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 creative director president of marvel he knows what marvel is he knows what a marvel movie is and some people might say that makes his movies boring but I don't think so. I think there is something to be said for in life, knowing what you are and executing it well. 
And I think that is what Kevin Feige does at Marvel. And so once you have like your basic framework of like, this is what a Marvel movie is, then you can go in and make Thor Ragnarok a little bit different. Then you can go in and make, you know, and, and you can, each of the different properties can have their own sort of little bits of flair. And, and I think that it's asking a, a whole lot of a director to come in and totally sort of revolutionize things with each movie. That's really hard. And, and, you know, it's like, I feel like that, I feel like Star Wars is kind of in this sort of chaotic moment right now because they, you know, like they tried to make a war movie and that production was super messy and super problematic in Rogue One. And then they did all of this, uh, this, I don't know, edgy, different movie with Last Jedi, which I can appreciate the risk taking, but it didn't all work for me. Um, and then you have like Force Awakens, which was more sort of traditional Star Wars. And, and you have this, that's sort of a heist movie. And, and some people might like the fact that each of these movies feels like a different movie. But like when I go to a McDonald's, I want to have a Big Mac. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have pizza. Like, I, if you're going to have a franchise, <laughs> you need to have like, you need to know what you are. And you need to execute it well. That's what I think. And I feel like right now Star Wars doesn't know what they are. They're just kind of all over the place. I, I get what you're saying. I don't know if I agree that it should be like Marvel because I don't know. Marvel is something that I've basically been like, okay, I know what Marvel is and I've seen a few of their movies and it's not for me. Uh -huh. I'm not interested in it. But with Star Wars... There are some movies that I'm like, okay, this is not really something I love. Mm -hmm. But there's still a lot there for me. Like, it's not like I just, like when a Marvel movie comes out, I just wave it off. I, I don't even pay any attention to it. I don't want to see it. I don't care about it. It's not for me. Mm -hmm. But with Star Wars, I don't know that I'll ever get to that point. Yeah, but and I think it's okay, too, for the episodes... I feel like the episodes do have more of a cohesive, I mean, aside from those, um, you know, the one through three, the rest of them all pretty much do kind of follow, they all fit to me. They all seem like they came from the same place. Um, and so I think these little other side movies, they just have a little bit more freedom to play and to do something different and i'm okay with them doing that what do you think uh, jeremy i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i just think that there's something to be said for like like if you go to a james bond movie like sure like there's little slight differences between like the different james bonds one are more comedic and one are more but it's still like a james bond movie and i don't know i just feel like that Star Wars in this new new era hasn't really figured out like the formula for what is a Star Wars movie. And yeah, I um, guess I need more novelty than that because I like some like whenever a new James Bond franchise comes out, I'll see the first couple and then after that I'm like, I've seen it. I don't need mm -hmm. to see another one. Like mm -hmm. it's the same movie. It's just different I, explosions. I will say I'm not I'm not panicky about it. I'm not like I'm not worried about the direction um this movie was you know if this is the quality level that we're going to get from a yearly movie i'm okay with that 
Um, and I can get there. I'm going to go to the theater. I may only go the one time, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it's, it's a good movie. It was enjoyable. It was more Star Wars. And I'm the kind of guy like I, you know, if it's a Star Wars movie, I'm going to go see it. And I'm going to be glad that there's more Star Wars out there because it could be over. It could be done. You know, somebody may not have bought it and we wouldn't be yeah. having Star Wars movies. It's true. Um, and it's in that, that piece of me, I'm always going to enjoy more Star Wars. And, you know, this one still, you know, it's uh, middle of the pack for me. It's not, you know, it's obviously nowhere near the top, but it was enjoyable and it was a lot of fun. It was not, uh, you know, like episode one and two. Um, so again, I, I'm okay with the current direction and I'm interested to see where we go. I know this particular movie had its flaws. It had a lot of controversy, a lot of setbacks, and they still were able to come out and, and put out a good movie yeah it was i think i think there's a lot of truth what you say all right well i think we pretty much covered everything um so let us know in the comment section or on twitter uh what uh what you think about this movie uh and what we had to say and um we'd love to hear your feedback and uh thanks so much for joining me to talk about this i had a lot of fun it was it was good yeah thanks for having us yeah it's really good we'll look forward to uh, yeah, when you finish, Jeremy, when you finish uh, Rebels, let me know. We can maybe talk about that. That'd be fun. Yeah, really that would be. Because uh, I, I have, a, you know, I liked Clone Wars a lot, um, but I like Rebels even better. Yeah. Um, it's been amazing, and, and it's fast-paced. It's accessible to my kids mm-hmm. uh, and also enjoyable to me. Uh, it's It's great. Yeah. I love Rebels. I just thought it was so good. Oh, great. Well, thanks again. And um, how can people con- uh, find you online or whatever on social media if they if they want to? A- Abby? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Abby underscore kid. Great. And I am on Twitter also at Jeremy underscore kid. Great. And you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews here on iTunes or on YouTube and at Smiling LDS Girl on social media. So please do. I really appreciate it. And we have, uh, like I said, we talked about every single Star Wars movie and a bunch of other Star Wars content, including my review of uh, Solo uh, that you can find uh, on our Solo playlist that I'll put in the description section. So check that out. And uh, thanks again. And we'll have to talk again soon. All right, Bye.